Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Bristol! Wrong hat. I take a seven and a half. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hello, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching others in the process. I'm Robin. I'm here with... Adam. And Marcy. Yay! (laughs) It's a Robin-led episode, y'all. Buckle up. We get to take a break, Adam. You ready for this? I'm just going to go ahead and sit down. (laughs) Yeah, we don't even need to be up at our mics. (laughs) So in the late 1920s, we're just going to jump right into it. In the late 1920s, a new type of job was created in Hollywood. The era of the silver screen silence was ending, and actors were introducing their voices to audiences everywhere. With the invention of talking pictures came the need for more and more animated and live-action voices. Studios began hiring men and women as disembodied voices of Hollywood, and they were also known as ghost stars. Um, where's that show? (laughs) I want a show about it called Ghost Stars. Some of these stars were singers, just starting their careers before becoming well-known and fully-fledged talent. One of them was Bing Crosby, for example. Uh-huh. Hey. Others were actors transitioning from radio. Most of this army of audio would go uncredited and are still unknown today. Wow. That is terrible. Yeah, that is so sad. Quacks and barks and what the squeaks F, man. and yeah, all kinds of things. Out of these voices, a talented young woman stood out. Her name was June, and despite her small frame, she would become a giant of the voice acting world. Throughout her stunning 85-year career, June Foray became known as the first lady of animated voicing. Audiences heard her growl, chirp, and sing. She was old and young, a woman and a man, all at once. Her career started when voice acting was brand new, and she dedicated her life to the profession. Today is a special day here because we get to talk about one of our heroes. Have you ever watched Granny and the Looney Tunes or Rocky and Bullwinkle? Have you ever seen Mulan or How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Frosty the Snowman or Cinderella? If you said yes to any of those, you have heard June Foray. And many more besides that, too. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited to talk about Jim Foray. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy we started this podcast because that is why I know her name, (laughs) to be honest. Not that you haven't talked about her before, Robin, but... It really solidified. She has come up so many times Mm -hmm. that she's just... I mean, it was inevitable that we were going to do this episode. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about June Foray. This is going to be a little bit of a biography episode, similar to our John Williams episode. Mm -hmm. Listen to that. Go back. But not yet. Finish this one first. (laughs) June Lucille Forer was born on September 18th, 1917 in Springfield, Massachusetts, to Ida and Maurice Forer. And we wonder if maybe it was pronounced Foray, but spelled differently. It's spelled F-O-R-E-R. But in interviews, she said that she was born June Foray. So, so, yeah. Maurice was of Russian ancestry, and Ida was French-Canadian. June always referred to her parents as supportive people. So when she announced at the age of six that she wanted to be a performer, her mother enrolled her in dance lessons. So she said as early as she even understood what a job was, (laughs) she knew she wanted to be a performer of some kind. Wow. Apparently, a performer named Eleanor Powell was born in her hometown, and Ida thought that enrolling June in dance class would help her become a dancer in Hollywood. Well, to her relief, June caught pneumonia and had to stop dancing lessons. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I love that. To her relief. (laughs) She she was very vocal about the fact that she did not enjoy dance lessons. So, her mother enrolled her in piano, which June also hated. Oh, June broke a finger playing baseball with her brother Bertram and had to also quit piano, again, to her relief. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) June knew she wanted to be an actress. She knew it when she would go to the theater with her family and come home doing impressions of the actors. 
She knew when her mother would have her perform in front of her bridge club. Ever since she was old enough to understand the concept of a job, she wanted her job to be acting. But what kind of acting? Well, that would come later. First, she had told her mother, ha, actress, and her mother said, well, you need the basics. Let's mm-hmm. just give you a background in performing. We'll, we'll put you in dance. We'll put you in piano. Yeah. And June was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah, but after, after they had to quit piano, she said, no, mom, really, acting. That's what I want. For real. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> Third time's the charm, they say. Like, let's do this. <laughs> When June finally told her mother that an actress was her chosen profession, her mother supported that too. June's parents hired acting teachers to help her learn the craft. Nice. It's so weird nowadays that I I wouldn't think I wouldn't think of all these actors who are popular now as being taught. You know, it just doesn't yeah. feel that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe some of them have been or they've learned it and gotten better over time mm-hmm. but yeah. you just don't feel it there's a lot of young popular actors and it's just like well, they must just be like naturally talented but i guess a lot more work goes into it than you really think yeah yeah it's like i could do that it's like <laughs> well i don't know acting does it looks easy it to does. a lot it of really people does, yeah. it does but it's not it's mm-hmm. And and really, when you really dig into the stuff like we have for the podcast, mm-hmm. you notice. It's oh like, yeah, no way this is easy. There's too much involved. No, there's no way it's mm-hmm. easy. It is. It's very. It's a hard job. I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's what they always yeah. say. One of these teachers had a radio show, and even though June had imagined herself as a stage actress, the idea of acting on the radio sounded interesting to her. I mean, mm-hmm. get your foot in the door. Yeah, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. When a 12-year-old June provided the voice of an elderly woman in a radio program in 1929, her 85-year-long career as a voice actress began. She later said that the voice she did was similar to the one she created for Granny in the Looney Tunes. That's wonderful. I want to go find that if it's recorded (laughs) anywhere and listen to it and be like, oh, there's Grandma from Looney Tunes, but it's not really her. Yeah, she said that she would, you know, she would find monologues in plays that were played by certain characters, so mm. she'd find a monologue for a character that was elderly, and then she would read that and practice the voices oh, that way. that's super cool. Yeah. So that way she'd figure out, you know, she'd have these voices kind of together, yeah. ready, and then when she mm-hmm. had, you know, a character of a certain age, she mm-hmm. was able to kind of create a voice. In her Television Academy interview, June remembered confronting the radio station and asking to join their group of actors for radio programs. Much to her joy and surprise, they agreed. She walked in there and said, hey, you know, I'm a good actress. Why don't you just have me join your group? And they said, all right. Sure. <laughs> Damn, if only things were that easy. I mean, I mean we should take a trip to California. Yeah. That's, I think that's what we're realizing here. We got yeah. just... just confidence yeah (laughs) that's what it is hey her time in massachusetts radio was short-lived as june's parents decided to move to california when she was in her late teens even though she was already doing radio at the time june still believed that she would be acting on the stage because of her move to hollywood she continued voice work and never looked back wow if she'd stayed in massachusetts she said she would have been a stage actress interesting Yep. What a different world. And, and I wonder what the uh, the radio place that she left thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, looking back, they're like, wow, we had June. <laughs> we had June Foray <laughs> here. What the? Yeah, in about 15 or 20 years when she started getting credits and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, are Aww. you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. They should have put, like, we had June Yeah. <laughs> The birthplace yeah, of June yeah. I bet you there's a sign somewhere in Springfield, Massachusetts that says that. At age 15, June started writing children's stories for radio. When she moved to California, she would go to radio stations and ask to be on the air for free so she could read the stories that she wrote and play all the parts. She called herself Lady Make-Believe. Oh, this makes total sense for where she's aiming, right? Yeah. Because doing these voices, being on the radio... Just getting people to hear you is like step one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and she loved the stories and she believed in them and yeah. she wanted children to hear them. Yeah. yeah. She didn't think she'd get paid for them. Right, so right. She, that I mean, wasn't she's important. Only, but it, like, she's a teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. But it totally worked out in the long run. They introduced children to classic literary characters and, and encouraged them to read. 
Eventually, she was able to turn the stories into audiobooks, but there were over 300 stories, and many of them were never recorded. Oh, man. It was on the air for about three years, and it went through the school system so children could hear it during classes. Oh, that's oh, awesome, that's man. super cool. Shoot. Yeah. Well, the way you wrote this, some of, you know, 300 weren't recorded. That means that some of them must have been, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so what happened was she did this for the radio station for a few years, and... Once it was done, it was done. Mm -hmm. But she kept all of the scripts and she put them in boxes in, uh, in her home. Huh. In the 90s, there was an earthquake. Oh, no. And all of the boxes fell off of the walls and opened up. So she went out to pick them up and she saw the scripts and she started reading them and she thought, wow, these are really good. These are still good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so then she decided to try to record. So you can actually find, there are Lady Make Believe recordings. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. That you can buy on Amazon, I believe, or that you can just probably get from the library. And, well. But it's not as many recordings as there she were. made. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, it's not as many recordings as stories she wrote, but I think it was her favorites that she oh, found. Oh, man, you know what? I th I, I know what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> <laughs> While June Foray has done many voices, a lot of the time she was not credited. Since then, many people have come to appreciate love and know how special and important she was in the animation world. No one truly knows for certain when June Foray began branching out from radio to film and TV. It may have been as early as the 1930s, but because she was uncredited, like most voice actors at the time, we can't be sure. Her first credit on IMDb is a Looney Tunes short called Daffy's Southern Exposure. She played a character named Carmen Miranda alongside Mel Blanc and Billy Bletcher. Shame on whoever... Said, we don't need to credit these people. Who, who's I, whose rotten idea was that? The Egg Cracker Suite from 1943 and The Unbearable Bear from 1943 were other early credits that she was credited for. And in The Egg Cracker Suite, she is the voice of, you may remember him, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. But her voice was actually mechanically sped up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't think it was yeah. much. It was just like a Maybe little a bit. Little teeny. Yeah. And Oswald the Lucky Rabbit lives in our studio. Yes, he, sure he does. does. Yes, he does. He's right here on the wall. Uh -huh. We waved at him a he's little bit. He's trapped. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's here on his own free will. <laughs> he's smiling. <laughs> he's a cartoon. Only on the outside. <laughs> Only on the outside. That's right. The Unbearable Bear was directed by Chuck Jones, and June Foray was the voice for Mrs. Bear, and also several other various voices within uh, that, that. That's that's like that's like the thing mm -hmm. with her, right? Mm -hmm. She's got those big ones, right? And we'll talk about them later. Mm -hmm. But and also a zillion other little ones, right? Yes, and it's like. She's always there, man. She is, you know, nowadays they'll tell you when you're a voice actor that, you know, when you do a voice for a cartoon, they want you to do probably about three voices at least. Yeah, so, yeah. So you'll watch an animation and you'll hear a voice and then you'll hear one that's similar to it, you know, and you'll, it's like, you know, Tom Kenny does SpongeBob, but he also does Gary the Snail and right. he does mm -hmm. also does, he, he does the French narrator, yep, and, yep. you know, and so that's the kind of thing that they do now is that they want somebody that can do at least three voices and they mm -hmm. can get more bang for their buck. And June Foray really was a deal. She was, oh, yeah. <laughs> she yeah, did she, it. She was the deal of the century. You, you pay one person for 75 voices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So some of these early ones where she was actually credited at that time, she was about 26 years old. Yeah. And if anyone, and just in case anyone has forgotten, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was a Walt Disney animation that he act, that he lost. Fell out of his pocket. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, he accidentally handed over the rights to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, which, you know, really shaped, shaped his career and his business practices after that. But... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, that's her first brush with Disney right there, voicing the character that he actually did create, but, you know, another studio used. Around this time, June started writing scripts for the Office of Civilian Defense during World War II. Wow. Yeah, she was also a talented writer, and so she would do things like this. She would write scripts for stuff, and I know, I, I just added it because... Multi-talented, Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? Like, that's an amazing thing <laughs> mm -hmm. to know that she, she's just so talented. 
She also provided sounds for live-action series of shorts called Speaking of Animals throughout the 1940s. And in the 1950s, she began working for Looney Tunes. (laughs) (laughs) And these roles led to what she and everyone else would refer to as her first major animation role. And that was, of course, the 1950 classic Cinderella. Cinderella. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, who'd she play in Cinderella? Ooh, Lucifer the cat. Lucifer the cat. What? Yes, that wasn't a cat making those noises. That no, was her. It's a person. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. And, you know, we were talking about not crediting people. Disney, at this time, was still... He was starting to credit people, but he was kind of notorious in the beginning for not crediting. Mm. He liked to pretend that his characters were real, and he wanted the the audiences to think they were real. And so, famously, like, he wouldn't allow the voice of Snow White to be on radio shows and things Mm -hmm. because he didn't want people to think that she wasn't Snow White. Oh, wow, that's Snow White, but not what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that and... But over time, he changed his tune a little bit. Yeah, he stopped being such a grouch. But at this point, I think he was still, you know, oh, no, Mickey Mouse is Mickey Mouse, even though he was voicing Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd never seen them in the same room together. (laughs) Oh. When recalling getting this role, she said, someone at Disney heard one of the many children's records I had done for Capitol and called me in to do the sounds of Lucifer the Cat. She said, but I never got to meet Walt. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a big bummer for her. She really wanted to meet him. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mentioning those records too, that was another way that she kind of entered the world and yeah. reached even mm-hmm. more people. Because even if people weren't going to see the movies, they were listening to records, and she recorded lots of children's records. Mm-hmm. So- Her next Disney credit would be for the short Trick or Treat in 1952 as the character Witch Hazel. Featured in Disney's Halloween Treat. That's right. Which we talked about last October. Go Go, back and listen to it. Go back and listen to that one. Yes. But not yet. Not yet. (laughs) You might remember that she also voiced another character of the same name for Looney Tunes. She did this voice first, however, and Disney's Witch Hazel did not last long after a few short films. Yeah. So the witch hazel for Looney Tunes, she had a green face Mm -hmm. and she was much more classically witch, I guess. And the Disney one, she it's yeah, she it's the one where she's with Huey Dewey and Louie and she they're both named Witch Hazel. Trick or treat. Trick or treat for Halloween. It's gonna be in my head forever. (laughs) Seriously. But if you remember, there's one particular Looney Tunes episode where she's featured like the whole episode, and it's like a big one of hers, where they do a spoof of Hansel and Gretel. Have you seen this yes. one? Yes. And, and Bugs is, I think, both, because there's only Bugs, but it's definitely uh, hinting at the story of Hansel and Gretel, and mm-hmm. Witch Hazel is the witch in the house in the forest. Uh. And, oh, God, what a great <laughs> episode that is. Oh, and I can just hear her voice and yes. the laugh and the, yep. oh. <laughs> In 1953, June voiced a mermaid in Disney's Peter Pan. What's really interesting about this credit is that she was not only the voice of one of the mermaids, but also a reference model, along with Margaret Carey and Connie Hilton. They wore swimsuits, had their legs tied together, and slid around on wood planks with cloth (laughs) that were built up to create a makeshift rock above water. That's... Hilarious. Was there an actors union union yet? <laughs> I hope so. At <laughs> that point, know. it sounded like they had fun though. Yeah, yeah, they, they had fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be a blast. <laughs> she also did the voice for one of the Squaw characters. Man, she's just so many. <laughs> <laughs> she's just all no over. Idea. You cannot uh, escape. You can't she cannot escape her. <laughs> exactly. She is everywhere. So besides the various animal sounds and bit parts that June performed for the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, her most famous voice for Looney Tunes was that of Granny. 
June was not the first person to voice Granny, but she took over around 1955 and continued to voice the character for the next 50 years or so, and even appeared in the film Space Jam. Space Jam. Yeah. Yeah. June was not the only actor not credited for the Looney Tunes shorts. Talking about not getting credited, June Foray once said, There were never any credits for voices. Walter Lance was the first one who ever gave actors credit. And now that I think about it, and I look back and see these films, I think, who did this? Who did that? I wonder who did it. And I think everybody else feels the same way. And it's a shame. All the in-betweeners, the animators, the directors, the writers, everybody got credit. But the actors didn't. I guess we weren't that important. Except we were. Except they were they, everything. Yes. Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. They rounded out the characters. They made. They, they made them. They are the characters, they, yes. man. Yeah. yeah. Is he gonna get some Joe Schmo off the street? Mm-hmm. No. You're gonna get freaking Dune Four A. That's right. If you're doing it right, that is right. If you want to have yeah. something good, exactly. I'm tell you who to get. As audiences noticed how prolific June Foray was, they started to call her the female Mel Blanc. Director Chuck Jones was quoted saying, June Foray is not the female Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc is the male June Foray. It's a remark that was even included in her obituary. Mike dropped. Yes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I think we mentioned that same quote back when we talked a little bit about Chuck Jones. I remember remember Mm -hmm. that quote, but like, come on, man. Yeah. She... You gotta be, you gotta be that good, and she was. She really like, to was. get something mm-hmm. like that from you know from anyone, let alone Chuck Jones. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, Chuck Jones was such a big part of animation. Mm-hmm. He was such a big mm-hmm. part of Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to hear him say, you know, Mel Blanc, not to say he wasn't incredibly talented and mm-hmm. that he could have done more things. Yeah, but he, you know, he was Bugs Bunny and you know Daffy Duck and all of these characters that now takes a whole team of actors to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he obviously was incredible, but she did it for Looney Tunes and everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was everywhere in Hollywood <laughs> and on the radio and yeah. in the records. So it made sense for her to be the one that mm-hmm. got people got compared to. Yeah. yeah. It was really cute in an interview. She was asked about it and she said, "You know, we're probably about the same." And <laughs> it was like it was really cute that she said that. She's it's so like she's sweet. so humble, so sweet, and we're like, "But no, Shakes. you're <laughs> Shakes head back and forth. No, absolutely not. She's she's top dog. Are you kidding me? You hear this stuff and you're like, there's no one else that could have done it. I know people just said that she just didn't, no one else could do it with her warmth and her sparkle. They said yeah. when they, they would bring other people in and they just couldn't, she just loved it so much mm-hmm. and it was just, it was all she'd ever really wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, doing what you love, you'd never work a day in your life, right? It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And when she's doing it, just for the joy of it, you get you get so much better performance, that kind yeah, of stuff. It's, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why podcasts are so fun to listen to. That's right. Because exactly. everybody's doing it for free. So please, support your... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> support your local podcast? Your local, your local podcast. <laughs> Question mark. Whatever podcast you listen to. So now we're going to kind of go through a list of some of her biggest, most well-known roles. Woo-hoo. In the late 1950s, June was invited to lunch with the producer Jay Ward. He asked her to voice a character for an upcoming project about a squirrel and a moose. It would be an animated satire, and June initially thought that the idea sounded a little crazy. In interviews, she would tell the story of the lunch and remember the fact that the producers were drinking martinis. June could not believe that they would be drinking alcohol at lunchtime. <laughs> and they, after they convinced her to have a drink with them, the idea of the show sounded a lot more appealing to her. <laughs> Got her. Yes. <laughs> they said, come trick. on, have a martini. She said, no, no, no. I do not drink in the middle of the day. It's five o'clock somewhere, yeah, June. She, come it's on. so cute. It, yeah, she was just so set on. You don't you don't drink martinis she was, for lunch. She was like, so, so early. appalled. Even, I mean, 50, 60 years later, she's telling this story. She's, at lunchtime, do you understand me? Yes. Like, do you hear what I'm saying? They were drinking martinis at lunchtime. She said this in multiple interviews. Yes. And oh, each hilarious. time it was like the same She's incredulous of, every of, time. 
her, yeah, appalled her, face. her opinion is the same. It <laughs> yeah. <hasn't changed. laughs> yeah. Despite it working on yes. her. Yes. Despite her having two martinis. Yes. That day. And yeah. still thinking. And after Ugh, two martinis, she's what like, a fool I was. After the first, she thought, oh, that's a co- maybe it's a good idea. Maybe. After two, she was like, you know, this show sounds like a good I'm show. A squirrel, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could do this. Yeah. Rocky the Squirrel is without a doubt the number one role for June Foray. It's her masterpiece, her peak of talent. Rocky was a character that everyone loved, an all-American flying squirrel and lovable companion to the bumbling Bullwinkle. Rocky and Bullwinkle is a show that has stood the test of time, and it was even made into a film in 1999. At the time, June was the only living member of the original cast, and she returned to play Rocky again. Rocky was fittingly her last performance, as well for a DreamWorks reboot in 2014. She was 96 at the time. What what a great thing that is to 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 have such a prominent role as Rocky and then being yeah. able to finish with that and mm-hmm. and let's just say real quick <laughs> the whoever the bartender was is the unsung hero <laughs> of of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, yes, but oh man. Rocky is one of those characters that you can pluck out of their show and put them in other things. And everyone's mm. like, Rocky, there. It's Rocky. Yeah. And, you know, like a Mickey Mouse or a, or a Bugs Bunny type, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so good. The character is so easy to love. Yeah. And the voice just makes it all. And it was a show that, I mean, she was talking about it. She said, you know, we, we offended everybody. And, at that, and in a sense, no one at the same time. It right. was a show that everyone just seemed to love, and it's still funny today. It's it's it is it's a hilarious it show. Is. It really is, and it, it did such a good job just lampooning so many different things. It was just yeah. it was wickedly funny, mm-hmm. and uh, but children loved it. It adults really loved it. Mm-hmm. There were so many really adult jokes in it, but not I wouldn't say they weren't like raunchy jokes. It was just things that you needed a little bit of experience to understand. I understand why they brought it back a couple yeah. different times. And every time, I mean, think about somebody who has such longevity that, you know, in 60 years, they go, oh, we're bringing that back. We better get the original voice actors. We better actors. get June, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they recast voice actors now. Yeah. Uh, for long-standing, yeah. decades-long yeah. voice actors. They, they, I mean, Scooby-Doo for one. I was right, just going to say, yeah, yeah. with Scoob. Yeah, they did it with Scoob. They, they did it, or they're doing it with the chicken run. They're doing oh, wow. Chicken Run too, right. and they're you know, and, and they do that now. And you imagine they didn't do it with her because her voice was so consistent. Yeah. After all this time, and just there was just no one else you could possibly. I think was of. I was gonna say that if somebody if, you know if they had said oh we're getting so and so to be Rocky, mm-hmm. everyone would be like excuse me Scarlett Johansson as Rocky. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> my brain just shut Look. off. <laughs> <laughs> Every time this comes up, I'm like, Scarlett Johansson, I'm sorry. You're fine. Just stop being in things that you don't fit. <laughs> anyone else. Not even a Scarlett Johansson, but anyone else yeah. other than June Foray voicing Rocky the Squirrel. Are you out of your, out of your mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She also played Natasha Fatal, if you guys remember. Yes. Of Boris and Natasha fame. Yeah. Many fans of the Bullwinkle show remember Boris and Natasha as vaguely Russian characters, but June Foray specifically gave gave Natasha a more broad continental accent, as her character was not from Russia but Potsylvania. Huh. Yes, she yes. she was very clear about that. She said they told her, "Do not make this character Russian." Mm-hmm. We were we have enough issues with Russia. So <laughs> in the, in the middle of the we Cold don't War. We need another. Yeah. She said, Let, "Let's not." I mm-hmm. bet you. I bet you she could do a solid Russian. Yes, accent. she probably yeah, could. <laughs> she probably could easily, especially if she like. I wouldn't be surprised if she could speak a little bit of it. Growing up with mm-hmm. with some relation to it, I bet you if you heard them back to back, it'd be like, what the? F- why did I? Why yeah. did we ever think that yeah. they were Russian? Exactly. And definitely yes. not. Boris, how could you mistake me for a mattress? Can I help it if you put on weight? She also played Sherman, of Peabody and Sherman fame. She's always half of a really popular duo. Yeah, she is. She does duos really well. Yeah. Sherman was Peabody's companion in the Wayback Machine. And they were also counted among Rocky and Bullwinkle's friends. That's why they're part of of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. June also played various parts for Fractured Fairy Tales and was the most prominent female voice on the program. 
So for mostly, for the most part, they would need a woman's voice. And they're like, well, June's over there. We'll just have yeah. June do it. Yeah. How many voices are you doing? Seven? <laughs> That's all right. We'll We're do good. eight. Yeah, we'll add one more. Yeah. yeah, so Fractured Fairy Tales, if you've not seen any, they are hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I would say that it was our favorite part of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I got to go. I got to go watch them. Yes. Yeah. We. I have a quote from her about what it was like to record. It was like going to a party every time we had a recording session. There was no drinks, alcohol, or donning of lampshades, but everybody ragged each other. We told jokes, and Jay Ward, the producer, would join in, and he would say, well, okay, let's start recording. (laughs) And I wanted to keep that in because that kind of reminds me of what it's like to do a podcast. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot like that. Like here on our show... We we, have, we talk a lot before we record. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam always comes over and me and Marcy say, we're almost done, we're almost done, getting the episode together. And then we tell jokes and we kind of just kind of... Slowly meander our way Work to our that. way toward the studio. And it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. I would say the only difference, though, is that we do have drinks and we do have alcohol. That's true. So... We do have drinks. That's true. Drink. Marcy drinks. Drink. So, was there any other thoughts you guys had about Rocky or any Ugh. of the Bullwinkle characters? I don't know, man. Love it. Love Iconic, lovable, hilarious. And I have to go back and watch it because I loved it as a kid. Yeah. But knowing, of course, that, that it's layered as yeah. uh, as oh, it should be. Where, where the gonna, heck is It's going to be awesome. Where the heck is that streaming now? It's not. I am Nowhere. so sad. It's not streaming yeah. anywhere right now. But, oh, man. she She did so many voices, but... Rocky and Bullwinkle, the two, were almost like hosts. Yeah. As yeah. well as doing their own funny bits, right? Mm-hmm. So you almost get to know them personally. Yeah. Right? Because they're talking to you some of the time, and it just makes it so much better and lovable and amazing. So the next big role that she did, and it's not like it was a huge role – necessarily like it's not that she did this role for a long period of time it's more of the cultural impact that this role had (laughs) june was approached by the popular cbs series the twilight zone to voice a pivotal character in a 1963 episode called living doll my name is talkie tina and i'm beginning to hate you (laughs) in this terrifying episode june lent her voice to talkie tina a living doll that terrorizes a young girl's stepfather we had Adam watch this episode for the yeah. first time. Yeah, I don't like scary things. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, but I made it through, and what the hell is up with this scary doll? <laughs> it is amazing. This, to me, I love. I love this episode of The Twilight Zone. It's one of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. because yeah. you have this doll, an item that pretty much everybody had in their houses at this point in the mm-hmm. 1960s. So everyone had a doll like this. And uh, you just, there's nothing really especially creepy about the doll. Yeah. It, it doesn't have any weird, scary features. It's just that it keeps appearing and it keeps saying things. And it's just, it's it's so great how, you know, the suspense really builds in the episode. Mm-hmm. And June Foray delivers the lines perfectly. Her voice never becomes menacing. It never becomes yeah. different. It's just the same mechanical voice but you know it's supposed to sound so sweet and because the context changes throughout the episode the voice becomes more and more terrifying and it is a wonderful episode of a twilight zone it's called the living it's called living doll everyone should watch that episode yes Yes. it's on hulu now so yes you don't have you have no excuses everyone needs to go back and rewatch that episode even if you don't have hulu somebody you know does don't lie about it you can access it and this was an example of art imitating life as june foray was specifically chosen for the role because she voiced chatty kathy an incredibly popular doll from 1959 if i had a chatty kathy (laughs) (laughs) and then watched this i'd be like I don't have a Chatty Cathy anymore. <laughs> I don't forgive you. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, don't, I don't know. Do you want to get rid of it? Away. Don't yeah. throw her away. That line, that one kills me, man. <laughs> yes. My name's Talkie Tina, and I don't forgive you. Yes. <gasps> what are wonderful. you talking about? Oh I mean, wonderful delivery. And yes, that extra layer 
it makes it even more perfect. Yeah. Because not only did everybody in America have a doll in their house similar to the one on the TV, mm-hmm. it had the same voice. It sounded exactly the same. <laughs> yes. And then it would appear on the stairs. Yes. The fact that nobody else, only the stepdad hears the different phrases. And at first he's like, this doll's weird. It's saying all these mean things. That's mm-hmm. not very good for a kid. And the, and the mom's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. She only says, I love you very much. Like, yeah. Yeah. you're crazy. And then, you know, throughout the whole episode, she's just like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Basically. But see, even, see, but even me saying like, it, voice. Yeah. saying it like that is wrong. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to kill you. She didn't yeah. do it. It was no. like, my name's Taki Tina and I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So it was like perfectly as if she was saying I love you very yes. much. Just exactly the same way. Oh, my But gosh. she's saying these horrible things. Yeah. And then finally at the end, finally says something different to the mom and just like, end of episode, cut yes. to black. Are you kidding Bam. me? <laughs> and one extra thing about Chatty Cathy that I wanted to mention. I mentioned this to my dad, who is from this era. And he told me that when he was in school, a kid brought in a Chatty Cathy oh as, as like a show and tell. And he, she said, they pulled the string and she said, do you like pickled ice cream? And he thought that was the dumbest thing <laughs> that he had no idea why they would have programmed Wait. that phrase into the Chatty Cathy doll, but he still remembers it today. I'm totally with him on that. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if maybe it was supposed to be funny to parents. Maybe, You know, because yeah. there's that joke that when you're pregnant, you like uh, weird flavored things maybe. or mixtures of things. Yeah. Maybe it was supposed to be yeah. funny for a mom. And part of maybe. me, too, feels like it's a little scary because it's like such yeah. a random phrase. Oh, that's true. You think, yeah. think, why would they have programmed this? Is my doll alive? What if, what if, she, <laughs> what if she's like, how many doors do you have in your house? <laughs> What time do you go to bed? <laughs> like those kind of. Yeah. Would you weird. be able to escape a fire? Yeah. Do you have fire alarms in your house? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Terrifying. Oh my gosh. See, that's that's like a good Halloween toy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do yes. that, it looks Ooh, just like a yeah. normal doll. It looks yes. totally innocent, but Programmed. there's one terrifying, line terrifying phrase programmed in among hundreds. All right. Another one of her big roles, but I wouldn't say, you know, the role itself wasn't huge, but it made a huge impact. It sure did. Yeah, it did. Was the role of Cindy Lou Who in How the Grinch Stole Christmas from 1966. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys remember, she, I believe she's the only other character that speaks besides the Grinch and the narrator. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Mm-hmm. Why? See. Everybody knows that line. Yeah. Everybody remembers it. It's a, you know, she just walks out. She's no more than two. She walks yes. out. She's, she's, yeah. she's the tiniest so who you've ever seen. And yes. She like floats. I love yeah. the way they animate her. She doesn't have feet because she's in this, I guess, a, a, a night like, nightgown. Yeah. She's just like scooting around the floor. It's just, yes. oh, so, cute. so cute. She would talk about this role and she would say, I had one line in that and people still talk to me about being Cindy Lou Who. Mm-hmm. All those years ago. I mean, the this version is like the iconic Grinch movie, right? Yeah. yeah. This is the one that people watch yearly, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every year, whether they catch it on TV or they have it on VHS or something like that, it will be watched just like Charlie Brown Christmas every year. Yeah. And this voice is, you know, one of the three that you hear, so you're going to notice yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing. It's perfect. Right. So she also did various voices in Frosty the Snowman in 1969, but she was most notably the voiceover for Karen, the little girl mm-hmm. in Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. They dubbed over her voice for some, some reason. Yeah. But I believe originally she was the voice of Karen. She also voiced Raggedy Ann in a TV short called The Pumpkin Who Couldn't Smile from 1979. She played Grammy Gummy in The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Oh adorable yes yes a great character makes some great gummy berry juice she also voiced magica in ducktales in 1987 yeah magica if you guys remember is the villain of ducktales and she is in even the first episode of the original series and i was watching this episode with marcy even though i did not know that she was going to be in it i was watching it with marcy just to show her the old show and I heard her start speaking, and I said, I think that's June Foray. 
And sure enough, I was right. Robin was right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard her start speaking. I said, you know, she's got some Natasha in her voice. I think that might be June Foray. And, you know, we looked it up and we found out that Catherine Tate is the new Magica. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is hilarious. Acting alongside David Tennant. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> but, yeah, so she was Magica. So that's honestly a great character from yeah. DuckTales. She was Queen Tabitha in the 1994 Don Bluth film Thumbelina. Yes. Very nice. Love Don Bluth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And another big one, she was Grandmother Fa in 1998's Mulan. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. And that really surprised me. I did not know that until we did this. And I think of that scene, like, with the lucky cricket and her crossing the street. And I I think of the voice. I think, oh, my God. Yeah, that is her. (laughs) Wow. Shoot. See, I got to go watch yeah. all yes. these now. And it shows you her range because here's another old lady character mm-hmm. yeah. that doesn't sound like Granny. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You wouldn't listen to that and think, that's Granny. No, she sounds totally different. Yeah. Wonderful job, though. Skill, yes. man. Skill. Yeah. She was also Mrs. Cauldron from the Garfield show in 2009. And the reason that we included this as one of her biggest roles is because this is the role that gave her her first Emmy Award. And at the time, she was the oldest person to ever win an Emmy. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's really cool that she got one. But why the hell doesn't she have like 70? <laughs> She said, you know, she was very, very <laughs> proud of her Emmy. And, oh, man. And she, she got an honorary one a year later. Mm-hmm. She won the Governor's Award a year later. And so she got an honorary one. But this one was more special to her because it was Israel. it was for work that mm-hmm. she actually did. Yeah. And she was so proud of it. And she said, you know, everyone keeps calling me and asking me. You know, how many have you won? What number is this for you? And she said, this is it. This is my first one. This is the only one. She said, at my age. She said, this is, this is the first one <laughs> I've ever won. And I agree with you. She deserved one long yeah. before this. Yeah, man. She really did. I mean, she was talking about Rocky the freaking yes. squirrel. You she, kidding me? She yeah. won one of us, Rocky. Absolutely. Sure. If, yeah. if she could only have one more. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. She has. She wins the Emmy of our hearts. That's right. Yes. That's right. A, a primetime heart <laughs> Emmy. <laughs> From the Black Ace Diaries. That's right. A special award only given out by the Black Ace Diaries, and she's the only person to have ever won it. So, right. so there we go. how prestigious is that? That's right. Sounds pretty damn great. So talking about awards, she uh, she was so influential that not only did she receive awards... She also helped develop one of the biggest organizations that champions the art of animation and its creators. Nice, man. Yeah. Asifa Hollywood is the International Animated Film Association located in Los Angeles, California. And in order to secure funds to begin this nonprofit organization, June Foray would go f- so far as to sell animation cells in her own backyard. Oh, Isn't that cute? That's so cool. I want to buy an animation cell from June Foray. Yeah, I know. Come on. I know. I can just see you're out there in like a sun hat. You're walking by and you're like, oh, garage sale. Yes. Who is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is she selling? Is that Rocky the Squirrel? <laughs> oh, man. I've always wanted to own a, a cell of animation, but they're so hard to find good ones and mm-hmm. expensive. The first award that she created with the help of her husband, who came up with the name, was the Annie Award. The first recipients were Max and Dave Fleischer from the creation for their creation of Betty Boop, Popeye, Olive Oil, and their te- technique of rotoscoping. Yeah. Super cool, The man. Annie Awards are very prestigious. So the fact that she created them is a huge deal. Yeah, man. In 1982, she was awarded the Windsor McKay Lifetime Achievement Award. If you guys remember who Windsor McKay yes. is. I'll be on the quiz. Yes. yes. <laughs> Windsor McKay from our animation series. If you yeah. guys want to, not yet, but go back. <laughs> exactly. You might remember Gertie the dinosaur a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next, we have in 1995, Asifa Hollywood instituted the June Foray Award, which would, of course, be awarded to her first. <laughs> Imagine if it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it recognizes people who have positively impacted the art and industry of animation. How wonderful. Yeah. 
1997 and 1998, she was the winner of Annie Awards, Mm -hmm. both for voicing Granny in the Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries TV show. Aww. Man, oh man. So Granny, pretty popular. How cool is it to win an award that you created yes you're like you didn't nominate yourself for later on yeah not only is she cool enough to make this award happen but Mm -hmm. she's good enough to then win it yes (laughs) hell yeah in june of the year 2000 she was awarded a hollywood walk of fame star well deserved deserved. yes classic (laughs) love that and of course we mentioned her emmy that she was awarded before for the Mrs. Cauldron on the Garfield show. In 2013, she won the Governor's Award at the Primetime Emmy Awards, recognizing her achievements as an individual. And in 2014, she won the Behind the Voice Actors Award for Best Female Vocal Performance in a TV Series, Supporting Role. This was awarded for her voice of Granny in 2011's The Looney Tunes Show. Yes. So Granny was pretty popular. That yes. Was a pretty, a, pretty big voice she did there. Granny's a very character. Yeah, a very lovable character. That. So there are a lot of prominent voice actors today, and we've done a whole episode on them as well. But. You know, there aren't as many people who are as prolific and in as many things as June Foray. However, you know, voice actors, like we mentioned before, maybe Tom Kenny, for example, he's in a lot of different things, you know, Mm -hmm. Dee Bradley Baker as well. But chances are there will never be another voice as versatile and prolific as June Foray. We've talked before about how films hire celebrity voices for characters. And this was something, again, you know, when animation was beginning and when people weren't getting credits this voice acting was not a glamorous job Mm -hmm. and uh, so the idea of hiring uh, celebrities for their voices for characters you know wasn't a huge popular idea you know i know that disney did it a couple times like where they hired bing crosby for you know ichabod mr toad Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff but it wasn't very popular to do it so when it started to happen, they asked her, someone asked her about it. She said, when asked about celebrities being cast over voice actors, June said, we are all doing supplementary parts while Cameron Diaz is getting paid $10 million. The stars receive millions of dollars for doing voices for animated films. And then there, and then there is the poor actor who has to struggle to make at least $15,000 a year just to keep his benefits. A lot of the young people, wonderful, good, solid voice actors, have families and are buying homes and work is bad for them. Frankly, I don't think simply because a star's name is on it that is going to sell the film if it's not good. You get big stars doing live action films, and if it's a flop, their appearance doesn't alter the basic outcome. That's exactly right. Yep. Golly. We mentioned mentioned it in that episode, how we feel about it, Mm -hmm. and... Damn it, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I am a little tired of it because it's obviously still common. Yeah. Um, thankfully, not every voice in animation is celebrity. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's always the top ones. The big yeah. one that I'm really, I'm kind of still salty about this whole movie for some reason, Onward. I haven't mm. seen it yet. And then Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as the two leads. And I'm like, oh, Chris Pratt was just in this or that you know tom holland was just in spider-man right. like we don't uh, come on right why do we need yeah. to see and, these guys again and i feel i feel like you know there are actors that do branch into voice acting and do well as a voice yeah. actor yeah. you know i saw onward and i would say that tom holland you know just he made a voice for the character he didn't just come in and talk as tom holland that's good and i think you know these you know, these actors are at least you know, acting as voice actors as well. They're not they're not just, just giving their voice to the character. However, that is what they are instructed to do sometimes. And it is, mm-hmm. you know, that is why they were hired. They were hired at times because their voice is famous and yeah. they think people will go see a movie because of a famous voice. Yeah, and similarly, props to um, Benedict Cumberbatch in The mm-hmm. Newer Grinch. Say what you will about that movie, but... Mm-hmm. 
props to him for not wanting to do just his British voice. Right. Because they wanted him to, but he's like, the Grinch isn't British. Yeah. What are you talking about? Exactly. And then there are times where, like, for example, The Rock plays Maui in Mm -hmm. Moana. And I don't think that there was another actor that would have been a a better Maui. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do think The Rock's star power really helped with the movie, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's it's not black and white. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For real. Yeah. But darn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it does sadden me, though, when they get paid a lot more. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine if they choose that actor mm-hmm. or, yeah. or so if they like the voice or want that voice for a particular right. character. But it's really sad when you're willing to pay that person so much more than just exactly. a voice actor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with just star power and, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So I have a couple of quotes from here from June here, and I just wanted to talk about those really quick. So one thing about her that I found incredibly charming was that she always lied about her age. <laughs> yes. There was even in her television interview, she did an interview and they said, you know, when were you born? And she said, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. And, she's, and she was quoted saying, I used to lie about my age because I don't look it and I don't sound it and I'm still working. And when I was 60, I looked like 35 or 40. And so I've always lied about my age. But some son of a gun put it on a computer. I don't know how he got it. <laughs> that son of a Damn. son of a gun. She was born in 1917, so she was actually the same age as my as my grandmother. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Man. So I always thought that was really really sweet. Mm-hmm. In her Television Academy interview, June Ferre said, "I love everything I do with all the parts that I do." Because there's a little bit of me in all of them. We all have anger and jealousy and love and hope in our natures. We try to communicate that vocally with just sketches that you see on the screen and make it come alive and make it human. That's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, that sums it up perfectly. We we were like at a loss for words. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's right. So when voice acting was new, it wasn't glamorous. But June Ferre entered the profession with all her heart and brought joy to countless lives. June Ferre wanted to be a voice actor. She did it without credit. She did it sometimes without pay. June Ferre was a master of her craft, and her talent was unparalleled. She dedicated 85 years of her life to bringing joy to animation, and for that we will be forever grateful. Yes. That's, that's right. Thank you. That's it. Thank you, June Ferre, for everything. And I would say that's another case closed. There we go. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Close it up. That's Zip. Zip. <laughs> Shut. Lock it away. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Black Case Diaries. We would especially like to thank our patrons today. We would like to thank John, Joel, Jacob, Anthony, Shelly, and Jacqueline. Hooray. Jacqueline is our latest patron. We thank you so, so much, Jacqueline. We really appreciate you. And we appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so, so much for listening to our show. And if you liked our show, go to our website, blackcasediaries.com. Find our other episodes. Give us a rating or review. Gosh, follow us on Twitter and have a wonderful day. See ya. See ya. Bye. better be